It's exciting times. Exciting times at Songs That Changed You because the podcast has been nominated for a Radio Today Podcast Award. Oh, fake round of applause. You shouldn't have. Yeah, we've made the finals in the health and well-being section and I don't know what's going to happen. All my fingers and toes are crossed, but hopefully I have some good news for everyone on the next episode. And if you don't hear anything more of this, means that we didn't win. We'll just brush over that. Uh, but yeah, very exciting. And a very exciting episode today. Mr. Paul Coleman joins us on the podcast. If you like what you hear, as always, rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. My name is Aiden. Let's get into it. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Songs that changed you. This is going to be a fun one. My guest today is somebody that I grew up listening to in the early 2000s, heading along to shows and seeing the Paul Coleman trio play guitar in Newsboys. Mr. Paul Coleman, welcome to the show. How you doing? G'day. How you doing? I'm good. I'm very excited to talk music and get to your song in just a second. But first, what does life look like for you at the moment as far as played a gig with the the trio a week or two ago how did it go and did it reignite is it is it back what's going on <laughs> i've been informed by experts that we're actually a heritage act now um is that a good thing or a which, bad thing i don't know no I'm, I'm still processing my emotions on that one oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, we all just moved on and did different things and um you know, we, I think it was good. I mean, I don't know. I didn't watch it. But everyone that told me said that they thought it was good. And that was, you know, we rehearsed a fair bit. We didn't want to suck. Yep. Uh, that was a very important part of it. But we had, we actually had a lot of fun. And the camaraderie and the um, the chemistry between us is still there. And I think from what I've heard from everyone, that's what they loved about our band was the chemistry between us. And um, But I've been, um, let me see. I've done various things. I had my brain mapped by an, a neuropsychologist and and that was how I got um, diagnosed with ADHD. So it turns out I don't really like doing just one thing. And so I've done all sorts of things in the last 20 years that make up my job and whatever else I do. I still do some touring. Uh, I still write songs for other artists. I produce other artists. I do voiceovers. Uh, did the trio thing, did some touring in Europe. Um, speaking on behalf of nonprofits on on shows, I write songs for people's special occasions. So just a whole lot of different things. Nothing wrong with that. The model of the music business, whether you're me or you too, is you uh, make a record or make some sort of recording, you promote it, and then you tour it. And the only difference is the is the scale. And I just don't like that model. Yeah. Because the bigger it gets, the more conservative it gets because then you've got, you know, cues with a lighting guy and a production guy and a video guy and you end up having to do really kind of the same show for as long as people will buy tickets for. And I, after three nights of doing something the same way, I'm done. I'm done. I cannot do it again. <laughs> Therefore, everything I do is a little boutique thing. Nothing's big, nothing's massive. 
but it makes me happy and it keeps me paying the bills. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, as long as you're happy, like that's the, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Paul, what is the song that we are going to discuss today? What song changed you? Well, it was very difficult when you first contacted me to narrow that down. I hope a few more songs change me because there's parts of my life that need more changing. <laughs> but but it was really Larry Norman who was the artist that really was the reason I kind of did what I did. And a song that I want to talk about is a song of his called The Great American Novel. The politicians all make speeches While the newsmen all take notes And they exaggerate the issues As they shove it down our throats So this is off his album Only Visiting This Planet Came out in 1972 Did you hear this when it was first released? Because you must have been quite young I want to say roughly five When this first came out I didn't hear it when I was five But I heard it when I was 11 Okay Tell me about life at age 11 When you first hear this song Well, my parents took me to Dallas Brooks Hall, which now does not exist, uh, in Melbourne when I was about 11 or 12. And we were close to the front and this guy walks on stage with bell-bottom jeans and black boots and a black leather jacket and long blonde hair. And I was just transfixed, firstly, by the look of him. And then he sang in this kind of voice like was... You know, he talked like kind of like that. Like, I just like to say that it's great to be here. He was like that. But he had this amazing irony and sarcasm and he undersaid things. He sang everything from a straight up gospel song to this song, which is like a protest song. Yeah, well, I'd and- never heard this song before and I immediately had to triple check that I was listening to the right thing. I'm like, are we sure this is not a Bob Dylan song? It sounds very Bob Dylan-esque. Right, right. So what happened with Larry was that in the 60s, um, he was kind of the first, at least the first one that everybody knew about, who was singing songs about his faith in God with kind of contemporary music. Before that, it was kind of more, you know, hymns and stuff. Yeah. And I'm sure he was very influenced by Bob Dylan and others, but he actually came out kind of the same time. It, he was very controversial in many ways that they they wouldn't stock his stuff in in um, Christian bookstores. I mean, this was before the Christian thing became an industry because like, for example, he's got a song called, why don't you look into Jesus? And one of the lines on the song, the chorus is, why don't you look into Jesus? He's got the answer. Okay. But one of the, one of the verses says, gonorrhea on Valentine's day, you're still looking for the perfect lay. I mean, that's, that's in that, that's in that song. Of course that appealed to a uh, 11 year old Paul Coleman. (laughs) Well, so when I started to look at his music, it, it really influenced me because he taught me that I could write about anything. Mm. And from a faith perspective, which was, wasn't trying to shove it in there, it just happened to be that that's where I come from. So it, he absolutely was the biggest influence on my lyrics and in all aspects, a genius, no doubt about it. So you're hearing this for the first time at age 11. How much are you understanding or is it years later that you sort of break it down and realise what he's really saying through his music and things? Definitely that one. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. My dad was, uh, my dad invited him to dinner when I was 15 and I didn't know he he did that. And he walked in the door and I was like, my dad said he's never heard me that quiet. <laughs> and that began the friendship that I had with him that went right up until when he was in his 60s and he passed away and I got to play with him. And Oh, wow. 
it wasn't really, I think, maybe till I started performing his songs as a, as a teenager, like 18 or 19, that I started to really think about what I was singing and the context of it. And that's why as I look back on his catalogue and as I still listen to it, it, I just think, oh, my gosh, this guy was absolutely a genius. Like, he was incredible. And what a catalogue, like over 100 albums to his name, like in different varieties of different projects and things, but 100 albums is, um, yeah, quite an effort. That's more than one a year, obviously, no matter how long you live. Yeah, and with this particular song, there's an album called Come As A Child and on this live album, he talks before he sings Great American Novel and he says, um, I heard somebody say that I that I went to the White House to sing for the president. Well, that's a lie. I didn't do that. I went there to give him advice. And this is stuff in back in the 70s that was contextual. He said, you know, I told him that if I was in charge, I would have said, let the hostages go or we'll crash the helicopters closer. Because back in that day when they were doing it, they, they bung, the military bungled the whole thing and crashed the helicopters when they were trying to rescue them. And he said, I'd say, I'd say to the Russians, get out of Afghanistan or no, my, no more Levi's. Like he was very politically attuned to what was going on. And he said, well, I ended up singing at the White House. And he said, just before I came on to play, the press secretary said to me, don't say, sing or say anything political or religious. And the fact is, that's all he ever sang about. What have I got left? So he said, and he actually sang it for Carter. He actually sang the song in the White House in front of President Carter. You know, I was born and raised an orphan in a land that once was free in a land that poured his love out on the moon. And I grew up in the, sh- in the shadow of the silos filled with grain. You are far across the ocean in a war that's not your own. And while you're, while you're winning theirs, you're going to lose the one at home. You know, this every lyric is like, yeah, for me, this is what I would like people to hear is that Larry Norman had a, had a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. And in the last 20 years of what we call Christian music, it's just been two Bibles and probably juggling a concordance. And so therefore all the songs that are written are really just for people inside the walls of the organized and established church. Whereas Larry, he was up on everything. He was up on culture and he he wrote about that culture and he didn't always, you know, land the plane like a good evangelical. He he left it open, you know, and he left it open. And, and so that's the reason why I think he's so important is that I think that um, sadly around the world, there's all these kids that grow up in a church environment. That's not the sad part. They grow up in a church environment who have a musical gift and they look out there and go, well, what am I going to do with it? And in the last 20 years, particularly in America, but I've just been to Europe and it's everywhere there. It's like, well, I better write songs telling God what he already knows about himself because that's the only way I'm going to get a gig. It breaks my heart. It's so interesting that you say that because I've been thinking exactly the same sort of thing of the last few years. I don't know if I was growing up now in 2023, whether there would be any music for me. You know, I was a kid that grew up throughout the 90s and early 2000s and listened to a lot of different music. And I particularly lean towards sort of the, the punk alternative sort of stuff. And if it wasn't for bands like, you know, Reliant K, MXPX, you know, these sort of bridging the gap that was sort of talking about real issues, but from a God perspective, I think it would be troubling for me. You know, it'd be troubling times in 2023 because there's none of that. It is all just Christian music for Christians in this bubble at the moment. And I know there's yeah. there are great artists out there and I don't want to 
generalize, but I, I guess I am. That's that's kind of what we're getting majority of at the moment. Yeah, and like you, I've thought long and hard about it and talked about it a lot. And I've tried to talk about it with kindness and I've tried to talk about it with respect and gentleness. Uh, that's happened more after therapy than before. But <laughs> the content of what I've said has, has always been the same. I just think that um, that the delivery has become much better thanks to the help of other people in my life, uh, but also thanks to God's spirit because kindness is a fruit of God's spirit. And so the more I've submitted to that, the kinder I've got. I, I can't be kind, but God in me can be extremely kind if I get the heck out of the way. Sure. Um, but like back in the 90s, you've got the bang like the newsboys where the lyrics are about vegetarian hamsters and <laughs> and bouncers in, in tutus doing ballet. And yet the chorus is shine, you know, show them what you got. Like shine, get out there and do it. Shine, make them wonder what you got. Make them wish that they were Even though that genre of all genres was still had its limitations, it was like some sort of small smorgasbord. And now it feels like it's just lasagna. That's it. And I like lasagna as much as the next guy, but not every damn meal. Mm. But I think you're right. Like some, that's what I burn for is the kids that I meet at shows because I don't do that kind of music, which is why it's been difficult. It may have even by why I started to diversify because starting in 2000, like the radio in America, for example, with Christian music just got narrower and narrower. Everything had to be very, very obvious or they didn't trust it. I was on Christian radio once in America and that lady had no idea I was being ironic. And I was probably being a bit naughty, but, um, you know, she said, how are things going? And I said, oh, you know, to be honest with you, I've been really struggling. Oh, what's that? I said, well, I made massive mistakes in how I write music and it's really hurt me. And, um, you know, it contributed to my band splitting up. And she's like, what happened? What happened? I said, well, I said, it's probably, it's probably just a common mistake, but I just made the mistake of basing my lyrics on the on the parables of Jesus, not on the teachings of Billy Graham. Because if I had three points, if I had three points, I landed the plane and did an altar call. I reckon I might be number one right now. She goes, oh, I'm sorry about that. And I thought, oh dear. Um, You've lost, yeah. Jesus of Nazareth telling these parables, you know, you his own mates were like, hey, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? Like, who's this? Who's the seed? Who are the birds? What, who's the, is the sower you? Like, no, is it us? Are we the sower? And he's like, hang around. And Christian music has led the way of if it's not blatant and it doesn't happen in the first 45 seconds, they're not going to play it. And I'm like, who are you basing this on? Is it the guy you follow? A Palestinian Jew born to an unwed, underprivileged teenager in the third world? Or, or what are we doing here? So I found myself becoming quite agitated. <sighs> Calm down. It's okay. It's okay. Paul, if I can give you some credit, you mentioned at the beginning that you struggled to pick one particular song for this little challenge of a song that changed you. And I've often said, like, there's many songs. There's many songs for myself. And one that I would throw out for uh, my life was your song, The Middle, which spoke to me so much. In the middle. As a, as a kid, hearing that song and going, that's exactly how I feel. I constantly feel like I'm not Christian enough for some and I'm too Christian for others. Sometimes I feel like I'm in the middle. Not good enough for you. I'm not dirty enough for some. That's it. Just <laughs> yeah, I got, I got it, mate. I still got it. 
Yeah, I, I hear that song still today and I go, yep, that's that's Teenage Aiden. Or me at this age really still because it, it is that constant battle and, and that's exactly what you've been talking about. Yeah, it's being in the world but not of the world, being as wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. I try, I've always tried to base my lyrics on that and it worked up until the worship movement and then it's been uh, pretty hard to get a gig, mate. Well... <laughs> Well, I want to thank you for providing that for me back in the day. And, and yeah, really appreciate it, Paul. I appreciate it. And I'm very, very glad that something that I wrote about how I felt was meaningful and helpful and useful to you like that. I love that. That's amazing. On that note, uh, let's play the song for everyone. This is Larry Norman okay. with the great American novel. Uh, Paul Common, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. You're a good man. And- I was born and raised an orphan In a land that once was free In a land that poured its love out on the moon And I grew up in the shadows Of your silos filled with grain But you never helped to fill my empty spoon And when I was 10, you murdered law with courtroom politics. And you learned to make a lie sound just like truth. But I know you better now, and I don't fall for all your tricks. And you've lost the one advantage of my youth. You kill a black man at midnight Just for talking to your daughter Then you make his wife your mistress And you leave her without water And the sheet you wear upon your face Is the sheet your children sleep on And at every meal you say a prayer You don't believe but still you keep on And your money says in God we trust But it's against the law to pray in school You say we beat the Russians to the moon And I say you starved your children to do it You are far across the ocean In a war that's not your own And while you're winning theirs You're gonna lose the one at home Do you really think the only way To bring about the peace Is to sacrifice your children And kill all your enemies The politics Exaggerate the issues as they shove it down our throat. Is it really up to them whether this country sinks or floats? Well, I wonder who would lead us if none of us would vote.
This episode of Songs That Change You was recorded on the land of the Ghana people. Each episode is produced, edited, and hosted by Aidan Grant. That's me. I'd like to also thank Zach Spencer for additional audio assistance and Pastor David Hall for helping support the show. If you like what you heard, please leave a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Or if you want to get in touch, maybe you have a guest suggestion or any kind of feedback, please email aidang at hotmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>